Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the first inaugural episode of Let Me Tell You a Story. I'm Sinead DeFries. You might know me from Clever TV or Collider Video or you might be obsessed with true crime. Wherever you're from, you are welcome here. I am so excited about this. So for this episode, our first episode, I have my boyfriend, Mr. Nil Stathy, here, ready to go, uh, because obviously at the center of a crazy murder, there is a love story. So Nils, are you excited? Yes. We're finally doing this. Yeah. Babe, let me tell you a story about a husband and wife with a picture-perfect love story who found themselves in the middle of a deranged love triangle riddled Mm. with lies and deception that would ultimately lead to cold-blooded murder. Is this your way of telling me that if we don't get married, there's going to be a murder? Well, you know what? Maybe listen to the story, and then you can can take from it what you will. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, let's do it. George Fulton met Gail Garza when the two were just teenagers and attending the same Catholic youth group in Corpus Mm. Christi, Texas. Mm. It always starts good with a Catholic (laughs) youth group, right? Mm -hmm. Now, despite their age, they were just teenagers. George and Gail fell in love. And honestly, they were kind of like a match made in heaven. Gail was popular and a really good student. And George was class president, so like literally the lead characters and like a teen yes, movie. Yes, it's a movie for sure. Absolutely, this is a straight to Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah, or like one of those uh, Hallmark <laughs> movies. What? How old again? Run me past how old? They were teenagers, like 16, 17, 18, and they're in high school. Come on, babe. How long have you lived here? Now. In reality, it is only those real deal couples who become the exception to that rule of lasting way beyond high school. But George and Gail just so happened to be one of those real deal couples. Not only did their relationship overcome the odds, but they remained devoted to one another while attending colleges on opposite sides of the country. George actually joined the military. So after high school, he attended the U.S. Military Academy in West Point, New York, while Gail stayed in Texas and got her degree at Baylor University in Waco. And after college, the two got married. Now, you know that because they were a military couple, obviously they had to move like a lot. But again, they proved just how strong the relationship was, and they more than made it work and eventually welcomed two daughters and a son. And now, according to Gail's friends and people close to the couple, they said that she did her best to make sure her kids had an as normal of an upbringing as possible, despite the fact that they were a military family. Her kids really were a huge priority on based on everything I read. George and Gail really were really great parents. So, you know, good for them. West Point's like a... Like a- Big deal, isn't it? Yeah. West Point? Yeah, it's a, the military academy. A lot of people yeah. go there. Yeah. In fact, that's like you become an officer or something. Well, something. well. Whoa. <laughs> George retired from the army in 1993 as a major, and the family first moved back home to Texas after his retirement, back to their hometown of Corpus Christi. But they would uproot their lives yet again when George got a job offer in Lake Orion, Michigan. It was an engineering position that included, like, a lot of money. So the Fultons packed their bags and headed to the Midwest. When you say a lot of money, you don't know how much money, though, right? No, but, like, this is the 90s. Because if someone was like, hey, move to Michigan and I'll pay you $500,000. Well, I read a lot of articles and this was featured on an Oxygen episode and... um, it was like a point. People said like it was a lucrative job offer. So mm. obviously it was 
enough money in the 90s for people to be like, oh, that makes sense why they would move across and the country. And what was she doing? Just like mom, mom life? She, yeah, she's just being a great woman. But you'll see what she ends up doing in Michigan. And it just makes the story even crazier because like really, truly, they are like devoted 100% to each other. You know, they mm. do everything for each other. They have a really great family. They're, you know, they're right, doing so they're, the whole thing. They're crushing life. Yeah. Okay, so I know it sounds like a real sweet love story at this point for George and Gail, but the Fulton's fairy tale would not last forever, obviously. Otherwise, why else would we be here today? And the happy couple would be forever torn apart when one of them was murdered in cold <laughs> blood. I like that line. I worked on that. Um, all right, so let's first talk about George. All right, good old George Fulton had a secret, and that secret was a businesswoman named Donna no, Trapani. No. I know, George, you jerk. Oh, no. Donna was a 43-year-old registered nurse, and she became really successful when she started her own at-home healthcare business. According to reports, she was at one point making like a million dollars a year doing this, and she needed some help with her growing business, and that's when she hired Mr. George Fulton. To- engineer I was just going to say he was an engineer so I'm being dumb or does that not make any sense What was her business She had like she started an at-home healthcare business so basically she was providing nurses for in-home healthcare and obviously in that in that you know Maybe time he's like a like a technical He's engineer? helping her with her accounting I don't understand the, the yeah All Yeah right. I think if you think about it like Having an at-home healthcare business and being one of the first people to do that, that's like second nature now. Like that, those there are tons of those mm, companies. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Right. Like if you the how many times do you hear of people like having live-in assistance or whatever? So she had a and like an agency almost providing registered nurses. And mm. she's also a nurse herself. So she's providing she knows the ropes, she knows yes, how it works. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Good move. Mm-hmm. So either way, whether or not he was engineering for her or helping her with <laughs> her accounting, I don't know, writing her spreadsheets. Building bridges. Yeah. Shortly after George started working for Donna, George and Donna were quickly getting it on. And it was like straight up this crazy whirlwind romance. There was only one problem. George lived in Michigan with his wife. And that obviously isn't ideal because Donna lived in Florida. So how are you trying to have an affair with a nurse who lives in Florida? I mean, Florida does weird things to people. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's May 1998. Okay. So George tells his wife, Gail, that he has to temporarily relocate to Florida Mm. for work, of course. Technically, that's correct, right? Yeah. Obviously, we know now, in hindsight, that there was hardly any work happening because it was all an excuse for George and Donna to be together. And because Gail had absolutely no reason to believe her husband was a two-timing piece of garbage, she's like, all right, honey, go get him. I'll stay here in the snow with the kids. Now, what makes this so sad, (laughs) right, is that while George was having his affair with Donna, probably like cozying up poolside, drinking cocktails, living in sin, let's remember that Gail was in Michigan taking care of three children and working as, wait for it, a librarian at the local Lake Orion Library. Oh man! Okay, when I read that, I was like, George. Can you? Do you, you have pictures? Shit. Do you have pictures of these people? Yeah, I'll show you. Can you just imagine? She like has no idea. She tells her husband to go to Florida because well, he's he, like, I have to go work. He here. says I'm going to Florida. Yeah, he's like, I have to go work. I know yeah. it sucks, and she's like, it's okay. I got my librarian's job. Yeah, you're doing it for the family. She Send works at the local home. library, basically like. <laughs> 
thank God karma is a bitch because just five months after George had, quote, temporarily relocated to Florida. Now, this is October of 1998. Gail found out about her husband's entire affair because women always find out. You hear me, babe? Okay, but we how? We always Don't find out. <laughs> I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> but, like, how? Do you know the details of how? I think she found something. She logged emails. into his GeoCities. Yeah, what is the 98? What is that? His Foursquare account? Yeah, like she got on Netscape. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she finds out. Foursquare? No way. Foursquare was like 2000. 2000s? I don't know. I'm young. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Nils and I are 13 years apart, in case that joke went over your heads. But yeah, no. I was in 98, I was six. You were 19. I was 21 when I graduated in 2000. So. Yeah, 19. Yeah. 19. I was six. So I think I just got a cell phone i lived in south africa i just got my first cell phone whoa that's crazy yeah and a hotmail account wow i got my first cell phone in like 2007 (laughs) 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 anyway she figured it out yeah it's like you've got mail and then she turns and it's like donna's like hey george hey (laughs) Yeah, what? Like, thanks hey, for engineering. George, over that pina colada we had last night. I thanks for engineering my, my orgasm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, my ass would have been like on the next flight. On the phone? Dude, I would have literally dropped everything and been like, kids, mommy has to go beat daddy's ass and like gotten on a plane and flown to Florida. But, so did she call him? Or yeah. did she go? No, she called him. She called him. She should have chucked the kids in the station wagon. Mm-hmm. Like, de- they definitely had a station wagon. The drive, though, the drive from Michigan to Florida. So do you think if you were making that drive, you would get more angry Absolutely. or less angry? So we used to drive from Chicago to Florida, like, every oh, that's year. Right. You told me. Yes. Yeah. And it was, a tw- like, a 24-hour mm. trip because we'd have to stop. That's a long-ass drive. Yeah. You know? You think, like, your fury would just increase. Oh, by the time you get there, you are, like, ready to kill somebody. Oh, are you foreshadowing? Ooh, I wasn't, but you know what? (laughs) I could have been. All right, here we go. Um, All right, so Gail confronts George, and George is like, oh, no, what have I done? Which, seriously, like, no shit. I love when people get caught, and then all of a sudden, they're like, oh. I'm so sorry. Like, they get a conscience, right? It takes, like, five months. Well, maybe, you know. Five devil, months later. Devil's advocate, right? Yeah. Just, just, just thinking, like, maybe he... Isn't that a cliche saying of, like, you don't know what you have until... Until it's gone. Right. If it does count for anything, which, I mean, not really. He <laughs> does deserve a little credit for what he did next, which was immediately end his affair with Donna and move back to Michigan. And I guess that's at least a little bit better than him being like, ooh, yeah, so, (laughs) you know, like he does drop everything (laughs) and move back. But I should note that the Fultons were also devout, devout Catholics. They were, yeah, but like bonus for being a Catholic is he can just repent. Yeah, but also Catholics don't like divorce. That's like a big deal. Or, Or contraception. Yeah. Yeah, but like you can just go and like side note, conf- yeah, side <laughs> PS. <laughs> but yeah. also he can just like you you confess, yeah. right? 
And then repent. Yeah, but like you also, you'd rather go and save your marriage before your wife divorces you. Oh, there's I no, the there shame, is no divorce. There's yeah, no divorce. the shame of that, yeah. especially like in the 90s too, right? It's always crazy to me because like divorce obviously is so like normal nowadays. I mean, obviously like living in LA too. You're divorced, your mom's divorced, your sister is divorced. Divorced. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that too. I was like, Ish. my brother is not divorced. He's not divorced. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's also one of those things where it, families, like, it does tend to be more prevalent if other people in your family are divorced. And yeah, if you are you, not divorced, sure. you're not going to want to be the well, first one to get divorced. Behavior either way is normalized, right? Right, right. I think yeah. everyone should get divorced once just to, just to know what it's like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like. How is that? I mean, I like not being married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways. Um, all right, so he moves back to Michigan and obviously is like, oh my God, let's make this work, please. Good for you. Good for George. Yeah. He finally saw the light. Yeah, but unfortunately, not yeah. everybody was willing to put the affair behind them. Let me guess. Crazy Florida <laughs> Yeah. You see, babe, uh, Donna was not just any mistress. Donna is the worst kind of mistress. The bitch is crazy. Crazy, like the absolute epitome of a stage five clinger times 100 kind of crazy. Okay. Obviously, I've never been that crazy in our relationship, so I cannot mm. relate. <laughs> <laughs> but look, let's let's pretend you're George. Mm-hmm. You've got a wife that like believes the same things that you do. Mm-hmm. You got kids, like you got this very stable life. Then right. you go to Florida, which is already crazy right and then you meet this woman who's paying you money and she's also crazy and she wants to bang right so it's like he's got he's got like the, the angel and the devil worlds. right it's living life on the wild side well yeah right? because like, they got ma- like he got married to gail so early and they had kids right away and they lived this very normal perfect by the books traditional yeah but this, so that's so that makes sense because she's yeah. like hey i caught you like you're fucked george and yeah. he's like oh now i have a choice like this solid, amazing right. relationship, right. all this fucking crazy. Which there are a lot of people that were that could easily just be like, uh, you know what? I am past that space. Like I needed some time to see that I don't actually miss that. And I think that, you know, when you are in your forties or whatever, I think maybe for some people you come to a, a spot where you're like, wait, no, I don't want to live life on the wild side right now. Like, I actually do like the you're idea. You're saying, like, everyone should be allowed to have, like, an affair and then, like, rain What are you trying in. to say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he dropped it. He dropped it. He dropped it in a fucking second. Yeah. He was like, oh. Yeah, he's like, wait, I didn't want this. Yeah. So he, he like, straight up has, like, a come to Jesus moment. But he's, like, for real is going to get... He's going to get fucked over. He's, his own dick is going to kill him. Oh, he's not that great, okay? No, I know. I don't like George at all. No, I mean, he's going to get worse. So Ooh. he decides to save his marriage at this point, okay? But let's talk about how Donna handled this breakup. Mm. Spoiler alert, it's not good. <laughs> Sometime after George returned to Michigan, Donna called George with some news. Any guesses on what that news is? She got a butt in the oven. Donna Trevani told her ex-lover that she was pregnant, and yes, of course, George was the father. But not only was Donna pregnant, allegedly, she also told George that she had cancer. So now George is, like, 
well, shit. At this point, he can't even say, like, okay, I'll take responsibility as the father of our child, but please leave my family alone. Because Donna has cancer. Being pregnant sucks enough as it is. Mm. Obviously, I can say that because been there, done that. But... I cannot even imagine being pregnant and also battling cancer. It would make it so much worse because you would expect the father to be even more there for you. It takes a superwoman to even just be pregnant, let alone do it while battling cancer. So George has to do, I guess, in the situation what he thinks is best, which is to bring his wife and his pregnant (laughs) ex-lover who has cancer together in one hotel room to talk everything out. Oh my god. Yeah, to me no. this sounds like the worst <laughs> idea ever. What? Maybe he thought he was doing oh the right thing. God. Just imagine like somebody, like your friend comes to you and like, alright, so this is what I think I'm gonna do. Don is pregnant, hormonal, and also cancer. So I think I'm gonna get her and then I'm gonna get my wife who I cheated on for five months with this woman who now has cancer and is pregnant and just bring them together and just let's just talk it out. Bring in a couple of pastors. Yeah, I don't George is a fucking idiot. Yeah, I obviously don't think this is a good idea. He is an idiot, but I admire the moxie, right? Going 100% okay, on this. well, get this. So once they're all together in the hotel room, George is like, all right, guys, I'll see you later. And he's straight up. Shut up. <laughs> like, he left. He oh. left. I would have been so pissed. I like George more. Yeah. So he's just gone at this point. He's like, you guys figure this yeah, out. Yeah, he's like, oh, all right. Well, I got to go. <laughs> In his mind, it's either let's all get naked or you guys figure this out. Yeah, yeah. So they have to hash all this shit out by themselves. And of course, it's an absolute garbage fire disaster. Gail ends up leaving the hotel room in tears, according to reports. Mm. Now, just in case you thought George was a changed man, a born again, good husband. Think again, babe, because after Gail left the hotel, remember, in tears, George returned. And it was not to check out of the hotel room. George and Donna had sex right there in the same room that his wife had just left from, crying her eyes out. How awful, right? I don't have words. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find anything about whether Gail actually ever found out about George and Donna's hotel encounter. I don't know. It seems like maybe Gail never found out because after they have sex... Donna then goes back to Florida, and then George goes back to his wife, obviously. He's like, well, I'm sorry that didn't go so well. Oh, so I had sex, but I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) It was breakup. It was breakup. Maybe. Breakup. Sex. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. According to George, the affair officially ended over the 4th of July weekend in 1999. (laughs) But because George still worked for Donna, their relationship, at least business, continued which still just seems like completely it's insane to me. Around like the breakfast table. I don't know. Maybe some people are just mature enough no. to move past an no. affair, maintain a healthy no. work relationship. So how was work? Well, Donna asked me to do this. And maybe Gail what? is super mature and she's like, Yes, husband, you can continue working for the woman you cheated on me no, with who's no now pregnant. Maybe Gail was just like, she's got cancer, like Maybe Gail was just like, I fucking hate you. Just do whatever you want. No, Gail's probably like, look, like you suck, George. Yeah, but you did this. You did this. Deal with it. You can't just leave her high and dry yeah, now. Uh, yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. Gail is like super empathetic. Mm-hmm. And George is just still a garbage human yeah. being. Either way, if both of them are super mature, I am neither one of those people. I'm not ashamed of it either. Like, I'd actually lose my shit. It's... Imagine. Like, I'm so sorry. Okay, fine. I'll take you back. And then you're like, 
Ooh, I still have to work for her, though. I'd be like, get the fuck out right now. It seems difficult to navigate. It's insane. Okay. (laughs) So now by October in 1999, okay, that's one year after Gail had first discovered her husband's affair. Remember, she found out in October of 1998. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The residents of Lake Orion, Michigan, would be devastated by a horrific murder. According to reports, a 911 call was placed shortly after 9 p.m. on October 4th, 1999. The caller reported the finding of the body of a friend and co-worker lying in a puddle of blood in a parking lot. The body was that of 48-year-old Gail Fulton. Mm. She was shot in her head, her stomach, and her chest. And the parking area where she was found was the lot belonging to Gail's place of work, the Orient the Township Public Library. You don't murder people at the library? I know. It's sacred. Yeah. Sacred the woman girl. who called 911 was a fellow librarian. So just imagine her horror when she realized that her friend Gail had been gunned down right there outside the library where they both work. It's seriously like it takes like a sick motherfucker to shoot someone outside the library. Why does that sound so much worse, do you think? Is it just because like that's where kids go to it's learn? It's a place of world? learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neutral... Free it's neutral. place of yeah. learning. You can still rent DVDs from the library. That's why a lot of like killers they go to the library as an alibi. They're like, "Oh, I was at the library." Because like it's just so innocent sounding. <laughs> I've listened to so many podcasts where it's like, "Oh, what was his alibi?" He said he was at the library. Weren't we watching a documentary where a killer went to the library to take out a bunch of really Oh, it was Night Stalker. Didn't he go to the library to yes. get all the weird books out? Yes. So it's not that. And the, it's not that and clean the cut. person working at the library was like, "He smelled <laughs> that was the big takeaway. <laughs> he was weird. And he it was smelled. a night stalker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So Gail had met her untimely death shortly after leaving work at the library. So she got off her shift. She'd barely been driving on her way out of the library parking lot. in her car. Before she realized that she had a flat tire. She stopped her car to check out the flat. And surveillance showed that a car pulled up and a man got out. He then shot Gail three times. The entire attack was captured on surveillance, okay? So there are, like, cameras right there in the lot. But the surveillance footage was also shit because this is the 90s. And the library. And the police could only make out a description of the car. The license plate was distorted, which is annoying. Um, It's just insane to think about because... This whole thing could have been solved, like, in five seconds. So at that point, all the police could do was release the vehicle description and wait for tips to hopefully come in. But that was just one aspect of the investigation because, as we all know, the first suspect is always who, babe? George. Yeah. (laughs) So to get an idea of the dynamics of their marriage, investigators also spoke to Gail's friends and co-workers, and it quickly became clear that George had not been a very good husband, so... They first needed to know exactly where George was the night that his wife was Mm -hmm. murdered. Mm -hmm. George told investigators that he was with his son and his alibi did check out, but that didn't stop them from questioning George straight up about all the rumors and George saying like a canary, like he literally just was like spewing information. They were like, so we heard that, you know, there might be something else going on. Can you tell us who Donna Trapani is? Or can you tell us about the nurse in Florida? P.S. Donna Trapani yeah. is a crazy person's name. Yeah. One of my clients is called Donna. Donna? Yeah. 
No offense to her. Is she crazy? <laughs> does it. Does it. <laughs> so they ask him, like, hey, tell us about what's going on. He literally tells them everything. All the details about his affair with Donna Trapani, even admitting that he and Donna had sex that night in the hotel room. So he couldn't tell his wife, but oh he tells God. investigators. Oh, my God. George is, like, not only is he a scumbag, he's, he's a, a puss. <laughs> I think I've yeah. Hold on. Okay. Should I pause this? Yeah, get a beer. Pause it. Okay. You good? I might, I might burp. I kind of feel like I have to burp, too. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me? Hmm. It's interesting how your burps when we're recording are like little lady. Dainty. Uh, uh, but then in real life, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you are talking about. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so, yeah, honestly, this is insane because... It's almost like he'd been living with that secret and it was like eating him alive mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Because isn't that the weirdest thing to announce in the initial investigation? The investigators were probably like, dude, what the F? Like, shut up. He literally kept them there and was like, oh, well, let me just get this all off my chest. But he's like kind of not one, even though he's a cheating scumbag douche. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be one, when he's called out, he doesn't seem to be one for trying to hide shit because or, when she, when when Gail found out he was having an affair he was like it's over I'm moving home yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean yeah or it's also like you could play devil's advocate and be, and be like maybe he's like if I come out with all this information now it would help take the heat off of me because to him he's like hi I was with my kid I didn't shoot her you shouldn't think I shot her you know because all they know is a man shot her they see yeah. it's clearly a man gets out of a car and they're like hmm where were you buddy I would, like, my spidey sense is saying, like, as a murder, a headshot, a chest shot, and a stomach shot seems like some sort of military execution. It's insane. It's a weird... he was in the military. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's alibi. I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah, let's find out. Let's find out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he's like, yeah, it's true. I had an affair. Also, I had sex with my mistress in a hotel. (laughs) Also... After I told my wife that the affair was over. Also, I cheated by $400 in my taxes in 1998. (laughs) Do you need need to talk to me about that, dude? I stole, like... Crunch bar in '95. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's repenting. Yeah, confession. Yeah, I man. But he also assured investigators that the affair was totally over. So he tells them all this, and he's like, "But it's fine because it's not a thing anymore." Did he say it? He was like, "It's totally." He's over. like, "Uh uh-uh, uh, no, don't. I swear." Yeah. So <sighs> he also did tell investigators that he just so happened to be on the phone with Donna when he found out that his wife had been murdered. It's, which is another ridiculous side <laughs> note. And again, the investigators are like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, what are you saying? Uh, he also insisted, of course, that the call was strictly business. Because remember, George works for Donna, right? Which, again, is still happening. I mean, I guess his mindset is like, they're going to find out. Yeah. So might as well just... Yeah, that is like, that's a very damning thing to say, you know? So the police pull the records because they're like, let's just see what's up with this guy. Sure. And it shows that George is in Michigan and Donna is in Florida. Like, they can clearly see that these calls are coming from Michigan and Florida, because obviously after learning about the affair and that George was on the phone with Donna while Gail was being murdered, they obviously wanted to know where Donna was. But yeah, she was definitely in Florida. But then the tips started coming in about the car. The first credible tip was that there were actually 
three people inside the car that night and that the driver of the car was a woman. Mm. Then a month or so after the murder, a major tip came in. A Florida man named Brian Miller called the police. Brian Miller. Hold on a minute. Florida man. Florida man. Florida man, Brian. Mm -hmm. I feel like anytime an article can use Florida man, they will. You should. Yeah. It's the best descriptor. Like the writer is like a Florida man. It's shorthand (laughs) for so much. Yeah, it is. So Brian (laughs) claims that his ex-girlfriend, a woman named Sybil Paget, that's a great name. Okay. (laughs) So random Brian from Florida calls the police in Lake Orion, Michigan, and is like, hey, you guys, I got something to tell you. My ex-girlfriend... Sybil Paget. Sybil Paget. Yeah, yeah. Was actually recruited to murder a woman named Gail in Lake Orion, Michigan. This is a good. This is a good tip. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, and she was recruited along with her current boyfriend, a man named Patrick Alexander. Okay. Uh, can't trust anyone with with two first names. Yeah, two first names. Yeah. Um, so, according to former FBI supervisory special agent Ralph DeFonso, Brian's story had too many details, right? So that they were, at that point, pretty convinced that this tip had to hold some weight because he was dropping, he like, some good shit. knowledge. Yeah, he had some good right? stuff. So, they start digging into Sybil Paget, and it didn't take long for them to discover a direct connection between Sybil and Donna Trapani. In fact, Donna. Sybil was one of the nurses for Donna's healthcare company. Oh my gosh, she's using her network of employees yeah. to source hitmen yeah. and women. So Hit now women. investigators are like, all right, I guess it's time to go to Florida. Pack your bags, get your flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Florida. So they go south to Florida, and detectives meet with Donna. Noting that a pregnant woman answers the door. She is pregnant. Uh, let's just wait. Oh my okay? gosh. The suspense of Donna's and George situation had, is killing me. George, I know. George had told investigators, yeah, she's pregnant. She lives in Florida. So they're like, oh, okay, she's here's pregnant. unspecified cancer and yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah. Um, and Donna fully denied any involvement in Gail's murder, obviously. So detectives then moved on to the subjects of Brian Miller's tip. Nurse Sybil Paget. Nurse Sybil. Sounds like a horror movie character. And her boyfriend, Patrick Alexander. Sybil, like Donna, fully denies any involvement. Her boyfriend, however, who oh. was just 19 Pat- years old. Patrick. <laughs> he cracks like a freaking egg. 19 years old, okay? Oh, no. I know. He's like, oh, God, okay. And he cracks like straight up, according to investigators, immediately, okay? Ooh. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's a child. So Patrick tells investigators straight up, Donna offered me and Sybil... $15,000 to kill her, quote, boyfriend's wife. Like each? I think both. So $7,500. $7,500. It's not that good. No, even in 99 it's not good, right? Um, and that is, like, that was his official, that was his official statement, and it was stated in the official court documents that she says her boyfriend's wife. So clearly, it's done. This Donna is, yeah. <laughs> yep. is fully of the belief that her and George are in a relationship. 
Uh, Patrick Alexander also claimed that Donna threatened Sybil, saying that she would be fired if she did not murder Gail. So not only have I asked you to murder somebody, (laughs) but I am not allowing you to say no, because if you do not kill her, you will also lose your job. That's a a real workplace conundrum. (laughs) So... Sybil's like, well, I really need this job. (laughs) So anyways, they head to Michigan in September initially to murder Gail. But they followed her around like creepers. (laughs) And then they got spooked and went right back to Florida. So they followed her around like all day. And then they're like, what are we doing? And then they go back to Florida. God, there's a Tarantino movie in this. Oh, 100%. It's just wild. Yeah. So at this point, Donna's had enough of this shit, okay? She knew that she needed to get somebody else on board level up. to help these two stupid ass kids finish her dirty work once and for all. So she recruits a man named Kevin, uh, I want to say Olet or Olay. How, how do you spell it? O U E L E T T E. Can I see it? Is he from Louisiana? No, he's a long-haul trucker. Let's just call him Kevin. He's 32 years old. He's a long-haul trucker. And he's just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) He's like, I'll help. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But Sybil and Patrick aren't free from this plot. She's like, I got somebody. You still have to do it. Okay? So they have to drive Kevin (laughs) back to Michigan. And they head there on October 4th, 1999. As you probably have suspected, Gail didn't just have a flat tire from, like, a nail in the parking lot. The three slashed her tires mm-hmm. while she worked inside the library that night. And then they waited, watching her as she got off work, got into her car, and quickly realized that she had a flat tire. Now, when she had stopped to investigate her tire, remember, Kevin steps out of the murder car and shoots Gail three times Fatally wounding her. Poor fucking Gail has I done know. nothing. Done absolutely nothing wrong in this entire the situation. The only thing she did wrong was marry George. Or like, not even that. Like, forgive him. Which is like, how awful is that? For being a wonderful, forgiving person. That puts you in a position. There's just like no excuse for this. That's right. It's insane. Yeah. It's really insane. Like, she absolutely is the biggest victim ever. Like, she just is screwed over and then killed. And she's a fucking librarian, dude. She's a librarian, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the police now have the entire story. Mm -hmm. So they go back to Sybil, and they're like, hey, guess what your boyfriend told us? (laughs) And she immediately breaks down and admits that her boyfriend Patrick's story is true. The couple are then arrested and both charged with murder. Murder or like accessory to murder? They're charged with murder at that point. The FBI then set out to get the trigger man, Kevin, and they track him down in Connecticut while he is driving his truck, which is an 18-wheeler, in case you wanted to know. I thought maybe you'd want to know that detail because you're a man. Big rig, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Surprisingly, Kevin totally caves and admits that he was, in fact, hired to murder Gail Fulton by Donna Trapani. I think for murderers, these three all give it up so fast. It's actually kind of sad, don't you think? I mean, They're all just like, yeah, okay. So the only one who had any stones was Sybil Plibble or whatever. Sybil Paget. Sybil Paget. Such a good name. Uh, I mean, and of course, Donna Trapani. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. And she's the last piece of the puzzle. So the two the two guys just cough it up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially Patrick Alexander. <laughs> well, he's, he's a child. Oh, I know. It's so sad. Anyways, it's not sad. He's a shithole. Here we go. The ringleader, Donna Trapani, she's arrested and she continues maintaining her innocence. She's like, what? No. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait. Uh-uh. Uh, she said that clearly the three murderers did this on their own, but police were not buying any of your bullshit. What the, that doesn't even make any sense. She's like, yeah, I don't know. No, these three people that are actually tangentially related to me just decided to murder this guy I've been having an yeah, affair with. Meanwhile, Kevin has zero connection to Sybil and Patrick. <laughs> right? Yeah, anyways. Uh, they are not buying any of it because they realize this woman is clearly a liar because when they proceeded to cuff Donna, they, of course, patted her down and retrieved three towels underneath oh. her shirt. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Bitch was not pregnant. She just had towels. <laughs> like, what the She didn't fuck? even get one of the strap-on, like, she had, prosthetics. She had towels. She was pregnant with towels. Were they? Three towels. What kind of towels were they, though? Beach towels? <laughs> Probably. It was, like, palm tree <laughs> prints on it. Yeah. <laughs> Key West, Florida. Also, why would you be pretending to be pregnant while you're alone at your house? But, like, so she... She answered the door so, with the towels. So, she was not having sex. They were having George. sex. Then how, how did he not know she wasn't pregnant? Or he did know that she wasn't pregnant? No, he didn't. But they were having sex. What, so she had obvious. the towels on? No, because when they got together, it was so very early in the pregnancy. No, no so like what I'm saying is like when he, when after the hotel incident where he yeah. accidentally slipped and, slipped and had sex with her. She was already supposedly, allegedly pregnant. Yeah, at that but point. then, like, now. Then he never sees her again. Okay. Yeah, he never sees her again because after that hotel room. He really did cut it off. He, yeah, she goes o- back. Outside of business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says the affair officially ended in July. Okay, so now we are in October. Now we're in November, technically, because it's been a month since the So her event. lie about being pregnant to him. Yeah. She then continues just at home. By herself, like looking in the mirror. I told, she's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she's crazy. When I read it, I was like, maybe she got attached to her fake towel baby. You know, like, she's like, aw, it's insane. (laughs) But of course, this bitch wasn't done because it wasn't long after Towel Gate that the investigators confirmed that Donna was not only not pregnant, but she was also cancer free. Give me some, like, father flashbacks. When you wished I was faking it? <laughs> no, when my dad told me he had, oh. not, didn't tell me, told my brother. Oh, that that's he way had darker than my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he just for it. attention. Yeah. He should have gone with pregnant and cancer. Jesus. Yeah. I remember reading in, like, a National Enquirer one time that the, this man had a baby before I knew that the National Enquirer was all fake. Yeah, I, mean, I read in the National Enquirer that George Bush renamed all the planets. After his children. What a weird thing to remember from reading it. It's one of my favorite like front pages I've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't realize. I was like, he could do that. I was a child. I would see all the articles like in the the cash <laughs> register, and I'd be like, "Holy shit, a man had a baby." That's weird. Um, yeah. So Don is like, "Damn, okay, you got me." <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just towels, not pregnant. And then after telling investigators that she was in love with George. 
she just as strongly implicated him in his wife's murder. Mm. When she realized that there is absolutely no getting out of this one. However, George might be a two-timing asshole, but he is not a murderer, according to police, because no evidence was ever found to even suggest that he knew anything about the plot to murder his wife, any plans, whatever, whatsoever. Like, he literally was in the dark about all of it. So, George, for realsies, was a cheating hoe... Did break it off, put the two, put his wife and his mistress in a hotel room, told him to sort it out, went back, had sex with his mistress. That was legitimately the end of it. Yeah. And then Donna just like went off on one. On on her her own. own. Over what period of time? Was that pretty A few months. Yeah. So like, I mean, cheating on your wife makes you an asshole, but it's not illegal. So in a sense... He is also victimized by this woman because she murdered his wife, right? Yeah, I mean... It sucks. Yes. And I'm sure he carried... He's culpable, right? I mean, I don't know how how do you measure that. How is he culpable? He's culpable in that he cheated on his wife. Yeah, but like cheating... A lot of people cheat on their wives, unfortunately. They're assholes and they're terrible people and karma will hopefully get them, but they're not... Like, no cheater has to then be like, well... Yeah, no, You know, sure, all of a sudden, sure. and I could maybe, you know, like, this could lead to murder. Like, I'm, nobody's thinking that, hopefully. <laughs> you know? He definitely wasn't. He literally ended it, and he meant it when he said he ended it. So he's a dick. With a great dick, apparently. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's insane. She literally goes off on one all on her own. It's and next level. it's just strutting around with towels. <laughs> Three towels, babe. Three. Uh, so now it's on to the trials of conspirators Sybil Paget and Patrick Alexander, Triggerman Kevin Omelette, and the ringleader <laughs> Donna Trapani. So Kevin actually pleads guilty to murder straight up okay. in the first degree and conspiracy to commit murder, and he was sentenced to life without parole. He agrees to testify for the prosecution in the other trials, and in exchange, he would be allowed to serve his sentence in Maine, close to his family. But according to reports, he's still in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. At the Chippewa Correctional Facility. So I'm not sure what happened there, but wasn't a good deal. Wasn't a good deal for Kevin. Patrick Alexander... Patrick Alexander also cut a deal with prosecutors and pled guilty to second-degree murder. Okay. He also agreed to testify for the prosecution in the trials against Sybil and Trapani. For that, he was sentenced to 22 to 40 years in prison. He is 40 years old now, and he is eligible for parole next year in 2022. Jesus. Both Sybil Paget and Donna Trapani were tried together. And they were both found guilty of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. They were both sentenced to life without parole, and they're actually both serving their sentences at the same prison, the Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Ypsilanti, or Ypsilanti, I think it's Ypsilanti, Y-P-S-I-L. No idea. It's one of those Michigan towns that everyone makes videos about uh, in Michigan. That is how that story ends. Where's George? George is with his kids, it like literally distanced obviously himself and living a life of absolute shame. Okay. <laughs> I think it sucks for Gail. Yeah. It kind of sucks for George. 
Yeah, I know, which is insane. It's definitely sucks for the kids. Yeah. And everyone else is an asshole and deserves to go to jail. It's just wild that, like, it's like revenge. Like you, revenge for what though? Yeah, she knew he was married. But like revenge, like revenge against George by killing his wife. It's not even that. You can't even call it revenge at that point. It's just like jealousy. And they say, right, jealousy and money are the two reasons that she wanted George to herself, or like she thought that like killing Gail would. Then her but that, and George could be yeah, together with that even, fake tell, baby. I don't even think that that's it. I think it's just, it's more like anger and jealousy. It's insane. It's next level. Like, who does that? I don't understand what her end goal, like, yeah. obviously she's not. She, like, I think it's it's partially somehow she's convinced herself that if Gail's out of the picture, then maybe her and George have a but how, shot. But how? Yeah. With, with her towel know, baby. With her, her towel cancer. babies. Like, eventually that was going to come out. But this is what I mean. It's like, she's obviously out of her mind because there's no logic. I mean, like, let's put the murder aside and the contract killing, but, like, there's no even... How are you going to play out? Oh, I have cancer. So she's going to be like, oh, I lost the baby she's, and my cancer got better. Yeah, but, but she's the type of woman that would, like, steal a baby. It's just wild to me when people are like, oh, the only logical way to make this all work is to murder this person. And honestly, the biggest victims in all of this are Gail's children Mm -hmm. who like literally asked for none of this. And Gail also. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Gail obviously is the biggest victim, but like tear her entire family apart just because you want to have a life with a man and your towel babies. Psycho. So that's the story. You like it? Yes. You scared? No. It's good. I've never, ever do anything like that. Don't worry. You would never, what? Murder you. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this story. Yeah, but just in case you're wondering. Also, where did this weird blonde hair come from? I don't know. That's convenient. No, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyways, if you guys like this story, uh, please rate and review the show. Leave a comment or suggestions on what cases to cover and uh, let us know your thoughts on Miss Donna Trapani. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll be back soon with another episode. Bye. Bye. Today's episode of Let Me Tell You a Story is brought to you by us because nobody is sponsoring this because this is a brand new podcast. So rate and review us so we can climb the charts and hopefully make some money. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.